This is Miller's Edge on Tide Christian Miller, two-time national champion and team captain for the Alabama Crimson Tide and former Carolina Panther and his father, Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, a nine-year NFL veteran with the New York Giants and University of South Carolina Hall of Famer. This is the Miller's Edge. Welcome into the Miller's Edge. This is uh, Justin Jones filling in for Corey and Christian today. We got Noah Haynes still hanging around from early this morning, uh, playing some music for us uh, to bring us in. We have a great show for you today, um, despite the Millers not being here. And our, our th- thoughts are with them as they have some family stuff going on. Um, they'll be back tomorrow, though, to continue things as usual to uh, get your picks for some of the games this Saturday as Alabama's in a bye week. Uh, we have a great show, though. We're going to get Stephen M. Smith on later and talk some Alabama football. We're, we're way out from the LSU game, but never too early to start preparing and looking ahead to that um, as the Alabama football team already has started doing that this week. They've been practicing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, today, and they will have um, an extra day on Friday off as well as this weekend. Um, man, so many things to dive into. What I want to initially start with is uh, really that Bama LSU game. What's coming up this Saturday, we're going to get into it deeper with Stephen M. Smith when he comes up at 11.20. But Alabama and LSU, the lines opened up on Monday at uh, minus four and a half Alabama. And in my opinion, I think that is very generous to Alabama. It's going to be at Bryant-Denny. We know the, the stadium and the atmosphere has been incredible there, especially this last week at the um, as the Tennessee Volunteers came into town. And uh, we all smoked our cigars in there. The noise was incredible if you were at the game, which I was. Although LSU is a little bit different team, uh, I don't think we're going to be able to give them uh, an early lead. I don't think it's going to be, if we do, I think it's going to be a lot more points than what Tennessee was able to put up. And it's going to be a lot harder for us to get back into that game if LSU breaks out with an early lead. Of course, Jaden Daniels is the highlight of that LSU team, a potential Heisman winner, probably a Heisman finalist already. I might might go ahead and say that. Um, the most explosive team in college football right now. Some other news, though, going around. We uh, we had NBA last night. Brandon Miller uh, started out playing very well. We had a lot of Alabama players. Uh, and then the World Series is set. We're going to see the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, I believe. Got it. I got so many topics here, Noah, that I wanted to dive into. So hopefully we're going get, to get through this as I try to make up my mind. But um, yeah. I'm excited. Let's let's talk about. Whatever. Let's do it. Let's just let's just let's just go ahead and, and dive into everything. I think the biggest story, as I'm jumping all over the place, let's let's stick to a topic here. Is the Michigan Wolverines? Um, they are the the breaking story for college football right now, as uh, Coach Harbaugh is 
seemingly always in some sort of controversy. We saw at the start of the season that Harbaugh had already been fined and suspended by the NCAA. And for some reason right now, I'm having trouble um, recalling what exactly that was for. But they're sending a player, not a player, an assistant coach out to opposing football programs, to opposing football games, and stealing signals. They're watching sidelines. They're... Do you have it pulled up, Noah, what that initial fine yeah, was? Yeah, the initial one. It was, it was stuff for, like, during COVID, where like, during the dead period when he was, like, like doing stuff with, uh, like, with recruiting recruits. that it wasn't really supposed which, to. Which is interesting, as I've always felt there's been some sort of small beef between Coach uh, Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh, as they kind of had that, they butted heads a while ago about recruiting when it came to um, some of the rules and some of the timing, um, and they were very much against um, had two very opposing opinions. It never uh, flowered into anything like maybe the Jimbo Fisher um, arguments did. But still, it's very relevant, and especially now as Michigan is back under hot water. Um, this former Marine was hired by the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, uh, his last name is Stallions, um, which very cool last name. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, Connor I'll give Stallions, him that. I think is his- Connor, yeah, yeah, even better. I think it. That's <laughs> a strong name right there. Yeah, it, Andy's a Marine, um, and much respect, much respect to our armed forces and the military, um, unless they're stealing signals. I don't know. Stealing? Are we stealing signals from well, so Russia we had, or something? You know. I mean, we just. I just put up an article about this on uh, Tatterhound Point Nine. So stealing signals. We had J.C. Sherbert on uh, inside the locker room. Stealing signals. Like there's a way you can get signals from people by just like watching film and everything like that but it's it's whenever you send people in person and have them video on the sidelines where it's like okay you're going too far you can't do that you know that's where it becomes an issue it's not illegal in itself but it's legal the way they did it and i think that's what i've i've seen a bunch of coaches talk about nick saban commented on it as well as um nebraska coach um former nfl head coach for the panthers matt rule who had very um intriguing thoughts on it about exactly that point is stealing signals has always been a thing and for some and i i wish we did have Corey and christian here because they have their insight is incredible as they've both played in um professional football in the nfl as well as in very high programs in alabama and south carolina for Corey. but stealing signals you're going out there with an iPhone camera sitting on the sideline, not not even on the sideline. You're behind the bench. I don't know how good an iPhone can be. I have a pretty newer iPhone. I don't think I could zoom in very far and read a board. But from what it seems, Michigan has been able to do that. This brings up so many questions. One, they're incredible this year. Their record has been is very good. They're undefeated. They've dominated almost every team they've played, although they've not played much competition. We'll see that later in the season as they meet Ohio State. But then also, it brings to mind, are we going to see some sort of penalty or some sort of um, punishment as we get closer to the college football playoff? I think this next week, we're going to get playoff rankings for the first time. I believe that's next Tuesday. Michigan's probably going to be one or two behind Georgia, uh, depending on what happens with Georgia-Florida, which we're going to dive into later as well. It's just, it's very strange. I think what I was getting to, though, was the point the coaches were bringing up was that the NFL, the coaches are able to communicate with their quarterback and call plays through headsets that are in their players' helmets. 
that's something that's never been in college football. And Matt Rule, as I was talking about, was mentioning how that probably needs to change. I think that's also what Nick Saban was saying in that it's a little bit silly where the NCAA often will stick with tradition instead of adapting and moving on to newer things um, where we have seen the NFL do. The NFL, especially around helmet technology in general, has been groundbreaking, and it's all because of player safety and the uh, movements that we've seen recently with that in improving. Is there a scenario, though, where Michigan doesn't make the playoffs? And then also, what team is... (laughs) What NFL team is Jim Harbaugh going to go to? As everybody seems to think, he's uh, he's leaving for the NFL. I mean, do, I mean, do you think? Uh, I'll just say it. Do you think they're going to get disqualified because of this? Like, could they get taken out of the of the? Playoffs? Yeah, it's it's very much a possibility. I, uh, as an Alabama fan, so not a not a, a journalist, if you will. <laughs> uh, my biases will say, yeah, I hope so, because that means that one Alabama won't have to play them because. Uh, with this Alabama team this year, I'm a little concerned about every game we play. And also, it'll open up a college football playoff spot in the impending situation where Alabama might miss the playoffs, even if we win out. Still a possibility. I think it's less so since North Carolina has lost last week, and we've seen there's still plenty of football to play for that scenario to play out. Um, I think the NCAA is tired of Jim Harbaugh. He's ha- We just talked about the recruiting scandal that happened. Uh, this was during COVID, Noah said. But there's also been things before. There's been some stories that come out of Michigan. And we we know Hob- Harbaugh has experience in the NFL where he last coached with the 49ers and his brother is the head coach of the um, Baltimore Ravens. This is very much a possibility. I don't think anything's going to get done this year. The NCAA is very much like the government in that things move slowly. We're not going to see much pan out. I don't think you can even keep them out of the playoff just because of the outrage that would come from a lot of fans. Although Michigan is a very easy team to to hate. I don't think a lot of people like Michigan, uh, especially their rivals, Ohio State. They do the M. They cross out the M in everything uh, when we go. I do want to say, though, we are going to take your call. So if you're interested in having a, a topic on this, uh, this Michigan game or Alabama LSU coming up, go ahead and give us a call at 205-342-9904. Um, I'll do my best. I'm no expert, as the Millers are. But we can get things going, and we can uh, get you in on the show and, and hear your, your takes. Do you have something, Noah? Yeah, I was just I was looking up uh – because uh, of Harbaugh's suspension earlier in the season. It's so funny to go back and look at all the quotes he said. He said he's gained a new perspective and plans to implement policies to make sure I don't ever get sidelined again. He's talking about uh, he's going to maintain like a golden standard and all this. Oh, my goodness. And now like this all comes out and it's just like he's just talking through his – he's just like talking craziness. It's always funny to me when you try to do something shady, but you kind of leave it out there for the public. This was all, all this was basically public information. We know which games Connor Stallions ended up going to. We know what teams he's watched. And we see where he stands on the sidelines during Michigan games, feeding information, assumingly, to the offensive and defensive coordinators as the other team adjusts and make plays. I saw a video clip that was from, I believe, when they played Ohio State. And I know Lars Anderson talked about this on Big News Sports. Um, that comes on right after this show yesterday how you can see, I think Ohio State was on defense in the, sorry, they were on offense in the red zone against Michigan. You see the quarterback for Ohio State look to his sideline, make an adjustment, calls the audible. Immediately, you can see uh, Stallions whisper into the ear of the coach, 
and then Michigan reacts, calls an, an adjustment, and they adjust to the play call exactly and are able to stop them from getting a big play, a touchdown, or even a first down. Okay, so here's a question. They're doing so well this season. Do you think it is because of this, or do you think they're just a good team and this just gives them a slight edge? I think they're a good team. I think last year they were dealing with a lot of injuries. They're a very good team. I think it does give them... I don't think it gives them the edge per se, um, the Miller's edge. I don't think... Oh, get out of here. I don't, I don't think it gives them a definitive win over any team because there's just so much football in a, in a, in a game. But it definitely helps. And from what I've seen at the college football playoff last year, at least the initial rankings, almost all of those teams that were in the like top six or so or top eight, Connor Stallions went to a game to watch them play. And this was very preemptive in that they assumed they would get to the playoff and probably play some of these teams because um, they're not going to meet them in the regular season. I do want to, I do think it's hilarious that, and I don't know if this is 100%, but allegedly the only team he didn't go see that was in that college football playoff ranking was the TCU Horn Frogs, who they ended up playing in the playoff and ended up losing to. So that, that helps your point a little bit. Now, if, An interesting uh, coincidence. Yeah, if, if it doesn't give them the edge, well, they didn't go see TCU, uh, allegedly, and, uh, and they lost to them. So <laughs> it's just hilarious. I mean, you, it's like... Um, it's like those, the little rascals, right? When you got the, the kids on each other's shoulders and they're in a trench coat, it's just like looking up into the stands and, and seeing that, and then he's got a camera pointed at your sideline, at your coach. That's what I imagine every time I think of this situation. So I, I do have to ask, I know we talked about it a little, a, a little bit earlier, but um, I know there is some degree of separation because it is in another conference. If that was happening in our conference, would you be much more staunchly against them and much more uh, um, wanting them to be kicked out of, of being in the playoffs? Good question. I think it depends who it is. If it was... Um, like, what if it was like Georgia, who this came out about? I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't think, I don't think it would be Georgia just because uh, how much we respect Kirby Smart and he used to be the defensive coordinator here at Alabama. And Kirby Smart has always had a lot of respect for Alabama and Nick Saban as well. If it was like an Auburn or I could see like, and hypothetically all of this, I could see A&M doing something like this as well. I might have the same opinion. I don't think, I think they should be punished. I don't think it's going to happen this season though. And, um, but also none of those teams in the SEC would really be playoff contenders. Assuming maybe if they're stealing signals, they can be. Um, some of the other things I wanted to get into, though, uh, some some news that uh, we've been talking about all week on Tide 100.9 is uh, punt returns. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry has kind of had some issues um, receiving punts. We've not seen too many uh, being taken back, and the ones that he has taken have not gone for too many yards. Uh, a lot of questions have been asked to Coach Nick Saban about possibly getting it, seeing a change there, whether that's Kendrick Law. Um, but it came out the other day at some player interviews. Isaiah Bond uh, said he's been working on punt returns, and he said, uh, quote, I think, uh, you'll see me soon. So hopefully, or I guess not hopefully, I think Kool-Aid has the, has the chance to do good. We know he can do good at the return position, um, but he's just kind of been in a slump this year. And that's completely fine because his play at DB is really all we need. And it's so elite. So I'll take what we can get from the punt return. Isaiah Bond, though, might be returning punts for the Alabama Crimson Tide come this 
uh, about two weeks from now when we play LSU. Should be interesting. Isaiah Bond, as we know, has has been a speed threat at wide receiver. Um, he had a great touchdown against Tennessee this past weekend, which was, I believe, a 30-something, 40-something yard touchdown. The, the bomb that Jalen Milrow threw to him right over the safeties. And then that also kind of... Uh, goes into some of the issues that Alabama's going to experience against LSU. Um, Talking about Isaiah Bond and the receivers, the defense for LSU is not known to be incredibly stout this season, despite having all the talent and all the recruits on there. As good as they were last year or two years ago, Alabama might have an opportunity to really have an offensive day, and I think they're going to need to to compete with Jaden Daniels in the – in the LSU offense. We're going to dive more into that, though, with Stephen M. Smith when we go ahead and, and get him on. Um, we're going to get Stephen M. Smith on. We're going to take your calls, Title 100.9205-342-9904. You're listening to The Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk station, also on 1230 AM WTBC. Hey, it's Christian Miller, and we're celebrating Roll Tide. This is Christian Miller, and I want to tell you about my good friends over at Spine and Sport Chiropractic. Spine and Sport Chiropractic provides quality chiropractic services for chronic conditions, injuries, sports-related trauma, and more right here in the heart of West Alabama. Come and discover how this form of medicine can improve your overall health by addressing the original cause of your ailments instead of masking your pain. If you're in need of this type of relief, contact Dr. Brian McDonald and his team at 205-345-8102. Again, that's 205-345-8102. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, the sky mostly sunny, the high today in the low 80s, around 82. Fair tonight, the low 61. And the weather stays warm and dry tomorrow and Saturday. The sky partially sunny both days, highs between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back into the Miller's Edge. I'm Justin Jones filling in for Corey and Christian. Um, now we're going to go out onto the phones to Stephen M. Smith. Uh, oh man, I, the the uh, the the magazine is blanking my mind. Stephen, can you can you remind me? That would be Touchdown Alabama Touchdown magazine. Man. I, I I see your stuff all the time, so I, I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, it's in my brain. I'm reading it. I'm watching uh, the Bama Standard and stuff on YouTube, and then of course, of when I get on the show and I'm going to introduce you, it's gone. It just leaves. <laughs> it, 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 it happens sometimes, man. It, it, it's just the nature of the business. You have so much clogged in your mind at one time that we go. Did I leave the curling iron on too? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I really want to jump into this first with you. Uh, Isaiah Bond was commenting about, but uh, I guess going to be the new returner uh, for Alabama, replacing Kool Aid McKinstry. Is that what we're going to see uh, two weeks from now? I mean, we're we're so far out, so I'm sure he's going to get plenty of reps in practice. Um, but is, is Kool Aid's time at the punt returner position uh, coming to an end? I can I can see I can see it happening, Justin. And the reason why is that no offense to Kool Aid, very good young man, good player, good defensive back. It's just uh, Saban wants to see somebody a bit more explosive at that spot. We've become so used to guys that can work in a phone booth, make quick decisions, be explosive, and take the top off. 
at any given point on the field, whether it was Javier Arenas doing it, uh, guys like Christian Jones, Cyrus Jones, Jalen Waddle, or the most recent Tyrone, uh, Tyrone Pro Throw, just guys when the ball hit their hands, you knew something special was about to happen. And even Jamison Williams, to an extent in 2021, doing it from the kickoff return aspect. So with Kool-Aid, his first couple of steps aren't as quick as a lot of those other guys I just mentioned. And then just the ability to locate the ball, judge the bounce of the ball, and then put your team in positive field position. I even go back to 2016 when Alabama had Eddie Jackson and the job that he did recognizing where he was in relation to the football, in relation to the coverage trying to get down to him, and in relation to the blocks being set up. Just a phenomenal job in that aspect. So Saban wanting somebody a bit more explosive back there to handle this part of the job. Definitely, and I, I could see it happening as well. I mentioned before, though, um, it's it's interesting how we, we see this skill or slump, I guess, for Kool-Aid at the returner position, yet we've not really seen that in his cornerback play. We've not seen him really struggle on decision-making um, cuts or anything like that. Does that just go to show you how, I mean, how different the skills at each of these positions are? Of course, one is a little more offensively because you're carrying the ball, you're having to avoid defenders, and then the other being corner, uh, doing the opposite, basically. Um, I, I, you, you can say that. You can say that because of the fact that one position, you are more so prone to, I got to take away the opposing team's best playmaker, right? So that that's my job. So if that's my job, I got to be a lockdown defender, so my mindset is uh, I'm an island player. I'm on an island, it's man-on-man, mono-in-mono. I'm taking away your best guy versus the other position. It's a bit more versatile. You're more so offensive-based because you're putting your offense in a shorter field. You're putting your offense in a position where it could be in attack mode, and you're also trying to see, okay, can I create a situation where I can maybe score here and not have my offense on the field and be a threat in that aspect as well. I kind of go back to something that Steve Sarkeesian mentioned when he was the offensive coordinator in Alabama. Uh, he said, if you can, when you can do so many things well offensively, it puts so much stress on an opposing defense. You want to be able to make that defensive coordinator think, how in the world am I going to defend every inch of this field against this particular team and special teams primarily in the return aspect is an element which allows you to put that stress on the opposing team so while kool-aid a very good defensive player being a punt returner that's a whole different skill set definitely and i i agree with you there uh let's jump into this lsu game i mean we're we're far out but uh as far as worrying goes i think the alabama fan base maybe isn't worried enough. I think we're still riding that high from Tennessee, uh, smoking cigars and everything this past weekend. I think there's a couple big, obviously the offense with LSU. Where should we really be worrying though? Is it going to be Jane uh-huh. Daniels? Is it going to be Malik neighbors or the combination of both? I, I see the combination of both Justin. And, and, and here's why we look at this LSU game. It, it's a three part game, right? This game has become so significant for three reasons. Number one, typically the winner of this game represents the SEC West in Atlanta for a conference championship. 
in the past, the winner of this game goes on to play for a national championship. And as far as recruiting, this game massive for recruiting purposes. Coach Saban has been able to go to the boot, go to Louisiana, and pretty much get whoever he wants in terms of the recruiting landscape. After beating Alabama last year in Baton Rouge, Brian Kelly feels like, okay, we can keep a lot of our in-state talent in-state right here. So this game has always been massive due to those three reasons. But I look at Jaden Daniels. He is a Heisman contender for a reason. Uh, can throw the deep ball, can throw the short to intermediate passing game, and then when he needs to, pulls the ball down and runs with it. Uh, uh, Malik Neighbors has become a very uh, big-time receiver in this conference. So it's a combination of the two, but it's going to be pivotal for Alabama to not just get pressure to Jaden Daniels, but also keep gap discipline, keep gap contained, keep eye control. We have seen at times this season Alabama lose contain on the edge and allowing these opposing quarterbacks to pull the ball down and get some plays done with their feet. So for Alabama's defensive front and and the outside edge rush contain, it's get pressure to Daniels, make him feel uncomfortable, but also be sound in your run fits and in your gap discipline. I think we saw that too against Tennessee when we're talking about holding contain and holding the edge. Um, and, and we saw, I think, two or three plays where we the um, the quarterback was able to kind of step into that pocket, find the opening, and, and kind of gashed us for a first down 15, 12 yards or so. I'm, I have some questions here for you about the, the LSU defense. I think this has been kind of under the radar as they've not very played very well, or at least up to the standard that we thought they were with the talent and the recruits that are on this team. I mean, Ole Miss scored 55 on them, but we know how Lane Kiffin runs that offense and the talent that they have over there with Jackson Dart. I think they still have some studs, and that worries me because the offensive line has been such a problem for Alabama. Particularly, I think Harold Perkins is going to be big in this game, and if he has a good game, uh, man, it's going to be rough for us. Uh, that, that, that Justin, that, that, that's the key right there. Harold Perkins and being able to contain him and that entire MSU defensive run. They are known to have dudes on that defensive line and across the board there. For this Alabama offensive line, this is a massive game for this entire group, primarily on the left side, whether, you, whether it's Caden Proctor at left tackle, whether it's Elijah Pritchett at left tackle. That left side has got to come to play. The positive thing is we've seen growth from a young man in Jaden Daniels, uh, the former uh, three, the former three star, three to four star in that 2021 class out of Houston, Texas. When you look at this man physically, Jaden Daniels reminds you of DJ Fluker, just a big, strong, athletic man that can mow people down. And Saban has mentioned how proud he is of that young man waiting his time being patient, working through, and having the opportunity to now show what he can do. Uh, if, this, if the left side of this line, Roberts and Pritchard or Robert, Roberts and Proctor, if the left side of this group holds its own and even, you know, has a, and even wins some of these one-on-one matchups against LSU's defense front, Alabama has a chance to really have a very good game, a very productive game, and come out winning this game but the left side of this offensive line, Justin, that's the 10 of a tape. What does this left side do? 
I, and then could you dive into that a little more? Because I think that's a, an, another story as well with Roberts kind of filling in. But he's also looked very, very good and almost like he should be on that at the starting spot there for maybe the rest of the season. Do, are, do you think we're going to see him there when we see um, kick off against LSU? I think so. There's been a lot of musical chairs just with this Alabama team. It started off with the quarterback, right? A lot of people <laughs> felt like it should be Ty Simpson. It has to be Ty Simpson. Maybe it's Tyler Buckner. Then you had some Dylan Lonigan talking there. We watched Jalen Milrow get benched against South Florida, and now it's okay. Jalen Milrow is the guy. He truly is the guy. So we can X out that part of musical chairs. Those musical chairs at wide receiver. You know, Ja'Cory Brooks is that dude. No, is it really Jermaine Burton? No, is it really one of these younger guys? Well, now Jermaine Burton says, I'm him. Forget the musical <laughs> chairs. I am him. And now Isaiah Bond goes, well, if Burton's number one, I'm number two. So you're starting to see that game of musical chairs go away. On the defensive line, we thought it would be Jaheim Otis, a defensive tackle. No, it's Tim Keenan. So that musical <laughs> chair game has went away. So throughout the season, we've seen a lot of these questions being answered. Now the final piece of this is the offensive line. And I think Jaden Daniels has been the one to finally say, no offense to Darian Dalcourt, but I'm him. I'm the guy at left guard. So you're going to see Jaden Daniels throughout the remainder of the season. The last piece is left tackle. Is it really Caden Proctor or is it Elijah Pritchett? They're both extremely talented. I think in my opinion, you roll with Proctor. You, you let him continue to grow. Yes, he's a young kid. Yes, he's going through growing pains. But the ceiling is high. The potential is high. May need to get with Miss Amy Bragg and the nutrition staff in the <laughs> offseason to cut down C- some cut weight. Some LBs. Yeah, cut some of that weight down because we saw it with, with Jaheim Otis. We saw it with Tim Keenan. Once you cut down the weight, how much better you are as a player. So the potential is there with Peyton Proctor, but maybe he needs to go from 374 to maybe 334. Cut some of that weight down, and you can really be able to move, establish, and reestablish that anchor. I, I agree with you. We we made it this far with Caden Proctor uh, for the most part, and I think he had a really great game against Tennessee. Um, there was the one sack, but I think that was a blitzing defensive back. Kind of hard for the left tackle to pick up on that, especially for Caden Proctor to get out that wide to even try to. Um, is that kind of been the issue, though, with Alabama, where you said musical chairs at all these different positions? Is that why we really haven't been able to put together a, a full four-quarter game? It seems we're, we're very much in love with the second half, and that's fine with me. If we just, just play the second half and it, it wins us games, I'll do it every time. But it's uh, uh, yeah. are we ever going to get that, that full four quarters? I think, we're, I think, Justin, we're finally on the cusp of it. And it, it's just... Being able to have the consistency in both halves. I feel like the second half, they even said something and it knocks everybody in like the movie 300 and they go out there and just kill everybody. Saban's in the locker room with the, the eight pack out, a shield and a spear, you know, hyping the guys I, up. I, I'm, I, I'm just saying, it's like <laughs> if, Coach, if Coach Saban could have two different speeches, one for, one for the opening kickoff to just really get that momentum going and keep it controlled, and then one at halftime. This team could be unstoppable. Or have Miss Terry get the pregame <laughs> speech. I mean, we, we, see, we saw Miss Terry tell Coach Saban, baby, get mad sometimes. Get angry sometimes. Get ticked <laughs> off. We love that. And, Saban, and then Saban gets ticked off against Mississippi State. 
and we saw what happened there. So, so maybe maybe we just need Terry Saban in the locker room before kickoff, giving one of her speeches, and, and just let it go from there. You know that man. This, the several times that I've been around Miss Terry, that's like a like good cop, bad cop. She is the nicest lady. But then after after seeing the way she can get on coach, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I need to be more uh, afraid of her than than Coach Saban. I mean, maybe so, Justin. Maybe <laughs> so. I mean, very sweet woman. But when it comes down to football, she can play it too. She can play it too. <laughs> I want to jump uh, to another. Uh, team not in the SEC because they've kind of been the talk of the town, and that's uh, that's a Michigan with uh, sign stealing, um, going to different games, uh, paying for, for tickets. But of course, they're not hiding it very well because we all know about it now. Uh, what what do you think that outcome is going to be? I I was saying earlier, I don't think they're going to get held out of the playoffs. I think there might be outrage if you do that, but probably some punishment. And do you see Harbaugh leaving to the NFL like a lot of other people do? I mean, there's going to be some punishment, Justin, but but let's not kid ourselves. This has always kind of been up Jim Harbaugh's alley. We go back to when Jim Harbaugh first got to Michigan. What was he doing, the whole satellite camp thing and trying to get kids to come to this program through satellite camps and setting up different satellite camps in enemy territory, whether it was Big 12 schools, primarily uh, SEC schools, ACC programs. He would put major satellite camps in all of those areas trying to woo kids to come to Michigan. Uh, he, he's been very brash about Because remember when he first came, a lot of people are talking about, well, he's going to be better than Coach Saban. Look at what Jim Harbaugh's doing. So this is always kind of being up Coach Harbaugh's sleeve. This is nothing new for us seeing this from Jim Harbaugh. He's always been uberly competitive to the point of it being self-destructive over competitive. So uh, th- this is not anything that's out of his norm. I can see this being something that will be punished by the NCAA. But we all know how the NCAA likes to lag around and drag Definitely. its foot on things as well. So I don't see this as something that would hold Michigan out of the playoff. But at the same time, I don't think this is something that Jim Harbaugh will be immediately punished for. It took a while for the league to be against the whole uh, sexual allegations that happened at Baylor. Mm-hmm. It took a while for, for the league to divulge into what happened at Ole Miss with Hugh Freeze. It took a league to, it took the, the, the NCAA to, 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 to it took them a while to get into a lot of things that have happened here in college football. So I look at they'll probably probe around in terms of Michigan, but I, I look at the NCAA. This may be something else that they'll just casually drag their foot into. And, and last question for you, Stephen M. Smith. I uh, really appreciate you joining. There's been talk for the last two or three weeks or so about a potential possibility of Alabama winning out, beating whoever it is from the East in the SEC championship and missing the playoffs. Uh, we still have Washington going undefeated from the Pac-12. Of course, Michigan in the Big Ten, um, Oklahoma or Texas, and Texas would have the uh, head-to-head over us. Is that still a possibility? I know FSU as well is undefeated, but they've kind of been playing rough these these past two weeks. Is that is that really? Is, are we going to see, a, a for the first time, a college football playoff without an SEC championship in it? It could be, Justin, and that's the scariest thing because uh, this is what the college football playoff committee is wanting to see, that complete game from Alabama. If it can see that complete game from start to finish dominance from Alabama or a string of those, then that would change the mind of a lot of people in that room in Grapevine, in Irving, Grapevine, Texas. 
and that's what they're waiting on. They, they want to see at what point can Alabama dominate and control from start to finish. That's the reason why you're seeing so many other teams in front of the Crimson Tide. Now, thankfully, a lot of the programs in the Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12, they are playing their schedules now. So quite a few of these teams will cancel each other out and should cancel each other out. But the big thing for Alabama is showing the committee, okay, we are one of the best teams. We are one of the best four teams in college football. And that starts with against LSU, can it have that type of game where it pulls the committee in and have them going, man, this Alabama team really is for real. We've seen them in close games. We've seen them in close matchups. We've seen them kind of have self-inflicted wounds but find a way to escape and get through it in the second half. But is this the time where this Alabama team really pulls our, our eyeballs in and shows us, hey, we are the real deal from start to finish? And uh, it's going to begin, just with can Alabama have that one complete game of dominance to pull the committee in? I, I think you're right, and what a more perfect time – to do it than the the LSU game at home in Bryant Denny to win the West, put up this this game, uh, full four quarters to kind of cement you into the college football playoff. Of course, you have to get to Atlanta. You have to, you know, who knows if we're even going to be playing Georgia, and you have to win that game. But it's it's all it's all ahead of us. It's all it's all in our hands. Well, Stephen M. Smith, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'll let the the Millers know that we uh, we always appreciate having you on and, and having family. Stephen Miller Smith, as Corey and Christian uh, would say. <laughs> Jeff, I appreciate you guys. My, my, my thoughts and prayers also with, with my guys, Christian and Corey, on today. But it's fun being here. You take it easy, my man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, and be sure, everybody listening, to uh, go find uh, Stephen M. Smith at TD Alabama Magazine, as well as the Bama Standard, which I believe they're on on YouTube. So we're going to take a break here. You're listening to Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk station, which is also now on 1230 AM WTBC. A base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Welcome back into the Miller's Edge. This is Justin Jones filling in for Corey and Christian Miller. Um, Man, what a great interview there with Stephen M. Smith. We got a lot of information. It's kind of a bummer, uh, though, that we're not playing LSU this weekend because I'm kind of excited for it now i'm ready getting hyped up yeah especially with this music i feel like i'm in the club right now uh <laughs> getting ready for some there we go <laughs> getting ready for the lsu game but that's going to come up about two weeks from now um 
on Saturday the can't think of the date. I'll get back to you. You guys know when it is. Um, the fourth. The fourth. There we go. November fourth. I do want to get to this Isaiah Bond audio really quick before we jump into um, our other our next segment here uh, about returning the punts and and what he said and why that speculation has kind of been around. Um, he was asked in an interview the other day. Here's Isaiah Bond. Hey Isaiah, just another two part but two quick ones. Uh, did you return punts in high school, and are you still working a lot on that here? Uh, yes, sir. I did. I did do uh, punt return in high school as well, and yes, sir. I am working on punt return uh, as well. Um, should be seeing you soon. Hey Isaiah, just a- yeah, should be seeing me soon, and and that was Kerry Clark. Our own Tide 109 brand manager. Woo! I didn't realize he was the one that asked that question. Um, that's going to be interesting. We we know the special teams for Alabama is kind of on fire. Will Reichard is thirty or so points away from beating the NC from being the NCAA leading point scorer. He's already got the SEC title from uh, not last game but two games ago. Man. So if we can get some return game from Isaiah Bond, not to not to shame Kool Aid McKinstry, but that will be explosive and really help with our field position and really aid to allowing the offense to get going instead of trying to battle back from way back in our own end zone. Um, so now I want to jump into some of my games of the week. Alabama's not playing this Saturday, so what? you still going to watch football. What games should you be looking out for? A lot of these games are top 25 matchups, um, and I think I got four of them here for you, and we're going to talk about them just a little bit and dive into some of their, their stats, what to look out for. The first one, which I think is going to be a big game, clearly is out in the Pac-12, the Oregon Ducks versus the Utah Utes. Um, Oregon's going to be going into Utah. Oregon's number eight versus num- number 13, Utah. Um, Bo Nix, of course, who we're not big fans of here because we know his connections to Auburn, uh, transferred from there. Um I think the the key to this game is Utah is arguably one of the toughest teams right now in the NCAA. They kind of handled and throttled USC, which the offense that was seemingly unstoppable, which they've kind of ran into a brick wall playing against Notre Dame, and Caleb Williams has thrown several interceptions. Excuse me. Um, And then Oregon, who has arguably one of the best offenses in the NCAA, them probably being Washington, Oregon, and LSU. Bo Nix has led a Heisman-type campaign there. They've had some slow starts recently, um, especially two weeks ago with the loss at Washington, which was kind of a shootout and didn't go in their favor, but they're still very much in the running there with lots of uh, lots of games left to play in that uh, division in the Pac-12. But they got to win against Utah if they want to keep that momentum going and even have a shot at the college football playoff. Um, like I said, Oregon was playing a little sloppy. They last played Washington State University, which they didn't beat by much. I believe it was a touchdown. And uh, Bo Nix has been kind of unstoppable. His completion percentage as well as yards that he's thrown for this year. If Jaden Daniels wasn't having the year he's having, I think Bo Nix is very much still at the conversation, if not leading the conversation for the Heisman race. And, uh, and like I said, also Utah has dominated USC. And they also dominated another team, which I am not uh, remembering here. Let me see if I can pull it up really quick. Their one loss is to uh, Oregon State, which they're a good team. I think Oregon State lost to South Alabama. Maybe, so maybe then, I don't know, South Alabama's a good team too. But like I was saying, physicality, that's the key. Utah beat uh, Florida, that's what it was, August 31st. 
uh, also against Weber State, UCLA, who's a ranked team, number 23. That's a good team. That was 14 to 7, as well as beating USC by two. And that was a that was a thriller, I believe, towards the end. That's going to be interesting. I'd watch that one this weekend if, uh, as Alabama's not going to be playing if you want some entertainment, as well as seeing those two uh, top 15 teams go at it, number eight, Oregon, and number 13, Utah. That's at Utah, and that's going to be a 2.30 kickoff. The next game I want to look at, another ranked game. That's going to be Duke, the Blue Devils, versus the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville is a, kind of the surprise this season. Uh, they've they've not been very good since Lamar Jackson was there and winning the Heisman, um, but they've battled in it. And, and I say surprising because I, I think I've just not been paying attention to them this past season or before they got in there and beat Notre Dame. I knew that was going to be a close game against Notre Dame, but they ended up winning. And, and from what I've heard, it was a very good crowd. The fans were out in full support, and they kind of dominated that whole game against Notre Dame where Notre Dame has... Uh, Sam Hartman, who's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks this year, as well as a fairly decent defense and a coach that's um, filled in very well since Brian Kelly left for LSU. Duke is also flying under the radar. radar uh, flying under the radar. Um, they're ranked number 20, Louisville number 18. They've kind of been led by their defense and uh, making plays that way. Um, uh, like I was saying, the Louisville beat Notre Dame, and the Duke defense is number five in scoring in the NCAA. So allowing the uh, some of the least amount of points to any team, which is rare. I, I need to look up where Alabama finishes on that list, but I believe Duke is ahead of them. So it's going to be a very tough game, I think. It's going to be probably low scoring, I would imagine, with Duke's defense and Louisville, which is typically offensive-focused. Um, that's going to be a good one, though. Duke at Louisville. That's going to be another 230 kick. So both Oregon and uh, Utah going off at the same time as number 20 Duke and number 18 Louisville. The next game, which I think uh, I'd put this one on your upset alert. This is this is this is my pick for upset. I'm not going to pick a spread or anything like uh, um, Coach Wimp in in the morning or Gary tomorrow on Fridays. But Oklahoma is going to be playing Kansas. Oklahoma scraped by um, US, not USC, U, UCF, University of Central Florida, the, uh, the Knights down there. And Gus Malzahn, former Auburn head coach. Like Oklahoma, coming off the win of Texas, we were assuming was going to beat every team that they played. And they, I mean, they can still do that, but they were supposed to dominate. Um, so I think Kansas is going to go in there. Kansas has a... a one, Oklahoma, the fourth scoring offense in the country, led by their quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, who is also as tough as it comes, running the ball, passing the ball. Um, they struggled with UCF, and Kansas dominated UCF. So we're going to see if that team can kind of find the weaknesses in the Oklahoma offense and power through and get the win. Run out of time here, so I'm going to just hurry up to the last one, which is one that y'all are all going to probably be paying attention to anyways. That is Georgia versus Florida, um, the largest cocktail party in the nation, I think is what it's called. Um, not too familiar, not two teams I care about, about very much, but uh, that's going to be a big game. Florida is going to look for a very, man, if they can win and beat Georgia with no Brock Bowers, they're going to do a great job at uh, kind of cementing uh, Billy Napier there for at least the next couple of years, I would think, with just that win. Of course, no Bowers. Georgia's got a tough stretch of games ahead of them, so they're going to look to prepare and probably get a good win. Uh, they got Tennessee. They got Ole Miss coming up, which are going to be harder battles uh, compared to Florida, I believe. And uh, they've ha they've shown some weaknesses. So we'll see if uh, if Florida can go and get the job done and get a signature win 
on this season. Well, that's been the Miller's Edge. We've kind of covered a, a couple things here, a couple things there. We've had Stephen M. Smith on, who was great, got us our, our insight into the Alabama LSU game about a week and a half from now. And uh, this has been Justin Jones covering for Corey and Christian Miller. Of course, I just want to send my thoughts out to them. I know uh, they're dealing with some family things, but they should be back tomorrow uh, getting your picks, getting you ready for the weekend games that are coming up. No Alabama, but uh, we'll be back soon enough with Alabama football against LSU uh, November 4th. Uh, You've been listening to Tide 100.9, West Alabama's only sports talk station, which can now be heard on 1230 AM WTBC. Y'all have a good rest of your afternoon. You've been listening to the Miller's Edge, tackling sports daily, always live.